Sefer Bereshit, Parshat Miketz, on liberating power. Joseph might begin Parshat Miketz locked in a dungeon, but by Genesis 41.40, he is the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, or depending on how you understand his influence, perhaps the most powerful. At the beginning of the Parsha, we know that Joseph has been languishing in an Egyptian prison for years. However, his reputation as one who can understand the word of God is such that he is called up to interpret Pharaoh's now famous dreams of plenty and starvation. Joseph understands that these dreams not only predict a famine in seven years' time, but that they also reveal the course of action. Stockpile food now to survive the future. Famine. Pharaoh is deeply impressed with Joseph. Could we find another man like him? He asks his courtiers. A man in whom is the spirit of God? He is so impressed that he makes Joseph his right-hand man. You shall be in charge of my court, and by your command shall all my people be directed. <clears throat> Only with respect to the throne shall I be superior to you. Pharaoh further said to Joseph, See, I put you in charge of all the land of Egypt. And removing his signet ring from his hand, Pharaoh put it on Joseph's hand. The authority that Joseph is receiving here is immense. Pharaoh's signet ring was a stamp akin to the royal signature. With it, Joseph holds all of Pharaoh's power. As Pharaoh himself says, the only difference between Pharaoh and Joseph now is that Pharaoh sits on the throne. In all other respects, they are equal. What are we to make of Joseph receiving such staggering power? What sets Joseph apart from the later Pharaoh of Exodus, who oppresses us so terribly? Is it moral, is it kosher, to be this powerful? The answer is not a simple yes or no. Attitudes towards power and authority vary across our modern-day political spectrum. In segments of the far right, there's a celebration of accumulating and consolidating power and using that power to further marginalize the powerless. Many there seek power for its own sake. Conversely, among the far left, power is often considered a corrupting force, and anyone with power is deemed questionable at best. All power, they argue, should be redistributed. But what if power is not inherently good or inherently bad? Rather, the Jewish ethos around power is that we want to build collective power that can be leveraged to advocate for the most marginalized. Pitfalls in thinking that Power is inherently valuable. In fact, power is only as good as what we use it for. Our sages take a similarly nuanced view toward power as both dangerous and necessary. Benzoma asks four essential questions, one of which is, who is Gibor, Ezehu Gibor, meaning who is powerful or who is mighty? Who is the hero? The answer, one who conquers their Yetzer meaning one who exercises internal control. The word Yetzer is often translated as inclination. We all have a Yetzer Hatov, a good inclination that we want to cultivate, and a Yetzer Hara, an evil inclination which we want to keep in check. The Yetzer Hara includes sexual appetites and the desire for personal power. Elsewhere in Pirkei Avot, we are advised, et harabanut, hate acting as the superior. Together, these passages of Pirkei Avot might suggest that those on the far left are backed up by the Mishnah in their assertion that power is inherently bad and we should not seek it out. Some might look at Joseph accepting the Pharaoh's power as a failure to control his own Yetzir Hara, his desire for power. 
After all, earlier in Genesis, we saw how Joseph did have a dominant personality. He is someone drawn to personal power who dreams of his brothers bowing down to him. But while Joseph's dream of power earlier in Genesis was of power for its own sake, one might say, his use of power later in Parshat Miketz benefits the collective good. In overseeing the storing of food during the seven years of plenty, Joseph feeds not merely all of Egypt, but all the lands the famine affects, which ultimately leads to a reunion with his brothers when they come from Canaan to collect rations. Perhaps it was not his sobering experience of hardship and bondage, but something in Joseph has changed, and he is now able to use power to benefit the common good. His power has been liberated. The Midrash teaches, when the rabbis attempted to lock up the evil inclination, it meant that there was no longer any desire for sexual procreation. If there could be no births, the world would be destroyed. Further, the Midrash taught that without self-interest, commerce, business ceases. The lesson here is that our Yetzirah is not only useful, it's necessary for our survival to be concerned with self-interest, self-gain. The key is to think of power as a tool. It is only as good as what we use it for. Power can never be holy in and of itself. Kedusha, holiness, is something that can never be instrumentalized. It is an end in itself, never a means to an end. Power is the opposite. It's only a means, a very important means. Rabbi Dr. Yitz Greenberg, preeminent thinker and Jewish ethicist of the late 20th century, has asserted that after the Holocaust, it's a sin to be powerless. We are morally charged to defend ourselves as Jews. Yet power brings perils. After 2,000 years, we are still learning collectively as a people what it means to hold political power as a nation and how to responsibly bear the demands of sovereignty. We must think very carefully about the kinds of people we want to help attain power. People who don't see power as an ends in itself, but rather like Joseph as a means to a collective good. We must also think about the power within each of us. What are the hidden sources of power that can be uncovered and leveraged? In engaging in a dialogue with our own Yetzirah, we will become more equipped to liberate our power, sharing it with the powerless and uplift us all. Shabbat Shalom.